Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for war? And we are off to the races, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode, another installment for the archives. It's the Conspiracy Farm right here. Jeffrey Wilson riding shotgun, as always. UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich. How are we doing this afternoon, champion? We're doing great. You know what? Um, 17 years after 9-11, and yes. uh, obviously we will never forget. A lot, of, a lot of things going through my head regarding 9-11, and, and I'm sure that our guest will probably have something to say about it. Absolutely. I mean, a really smart guy can, you know, like a lot of our guests, can really touch on a lot of topics very intellectually and very uh, competently. But, uh, you know, we're kind of going to cover the gamut. Yes, it is the 17th anniversary of 9-11 this day, but uh, we're going to cover quite a bit of stuff. This gentleman right here, you know, I, I've been following for quite a while, and a lot of people have said, you know, you guys need to get him on, maybe talk about 9-11, and here we are on the anniversary of 9-11, and he was so absolutely gracious with his time, and I know he's been pulled in a lot of directions. He is the El Jefe of his YouTube channel and kind of podcast-ish anti-neocon report. Really, really smart guy. What's up, Ryan Dawson joining us today. How are we doing today, buddy? Thanks. I'll have a few things to say about 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> I made this video. It was 9-11 here yesterday in Japan. Right. It and is in so Japan. Last, that's right. So I'm in the future. Last night I made this video <laughs> and I was just thinking, and this is true. I wasn't trying to be sardonic or anything. I, I wasn't being sarcastic, but I was saying, well, it's 9-11 and here I am, you know, warning people about Syria saying that, wow, the U.S. government, uh, again, is orchestrating uh, covert support for al-Qaeda to stage a false flag in order to use that to start a war. Yeah. And yeah. I was not trying to be funny, like exactly what was happening that day. So here yeah. we do. And we recently it's, it's, had again. on a reporter, investigative reporter, Eva Bartlett, who's been over there several times, who's pretty much kind of exculpated, if, exculpated, if that's the right word, spoke eloquently on that very thing on how it's not really a civil war. It's, you know, U.S. backed. Uh, ISIS Al Nusra forces that are kind of yeah, it's mercenary terrorists. She was she used to live in Korea. Uh, I've done some interviews with her too. Yeah, really. I mean, a brave, brave woman. And we're going to kind of get into that. Like you call them, um, I believe it's privateers. It's a couple of your videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, but it's essentially like a proxy force. But proxy mercenaries, proxy mercenaries, paid mercenaries, which is nothing new under the sun. As we get into your explanation of privateers, but you know. This is the anniversary of 9-11, folks, and we've been uh, doing this show for a couple years now, two and a half, three years, and we have not broached this subject yet. Um, you know, it's not a – Pat and I aren't always on the same page about a myriad of things, but we not necessarily differ, but just th – this is just one of those very, very third-rail controversial subjects that it's really almost almost JFK assassination-isk. Um, it's, it's, the official story is XYZ, so everything else becomes – you know, theoretical, circumstantial, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, with enough of the, well, with enough of the facts, here's the thing yeah. I, I would say, Ryan, is for me, I have stayed away from going too far down the rabbit hole regarding 9-11 simply because uh, it was regarded as that ultimate attack against America, against, against the, the nation of America. And it led to some horrible, horrible wars. And we're still there destroying the Middle East. And, mm. You know, even with all the facts that I know, as far as the government knew that planes were going to be used as missiles in the buildings, we already know that that's documented. 
you know, there were leases that were broken by, you know, shipping companies. There, there was insurance that was, that was changed before the attack, not long before it. A lot of things line up that tell me very easily this thing was planned, it was known about, and it was orchestrated very possibly by the United States government and, and the globalists. So, you know, I don't deny any of that being possible. I just have kind of rode the wave away from it a little bit just because we get attacked so much when we even go there. But, you know, if, if it's... I understand that completely. Yeah. I think I think certain individuals have turned 9-11 into a tar baby. Yeah. Uh, I call it the 9-11 kook movement. There's a lot of disinformation. Like, all the things you said are reasonable. Uh, Zim Shipping Company did move out of the World Trade Centers. Yes, the FBI knew about... I mean, we got all... But those nuggets, those facts are hard to piece together because of the enormous degree of stupidity i'll call it and misinformation and disinformation about you know ranging from everything from holograms to aliens or whatever yeah and it creates a stigma so that somebody doesn't want to have a conversation about 9-11 unless they know it's okay can sit down and and have a real conversation you can't sloganeer it because if you get associated with 9-11 truth and then 9-11 truth is associated to all this all these ridiculous hypotheses then it's just too much to deal with like i don't comment about 9-11 online because i don't feel like fighting off 105 kooks that are going to tell me a missile hit the pentagon or something like that so i like to do podcasts like for I've, all my films and stuff i show the documentation and just real quickly the only real difference between a privateer and a mercenary is that it's a covert mercenary mercenaries like blackwater are mercenaries but it's not a secret right what's happening in syria we don't admit we're paying Al Qaeda. <laughs> it's done through purple shovel and intermediaries, but it's a it's just like privateers on the land. That's all it is. It's uh, paid pirates. So yeah, where the where the where Blackwater would be guarding the construction of an uh, an oil pipeline into Western Europe yeah. out of the Caspian Sea, which absolutely pissed off the Russians and the Iranians. Mm -hmm. Their very first job was in Azerbaijan, actually doing that non-OPEC oil and gas that protected BTC right. for a gas line and an oil line. And there, Azerbaijan actually had a law saying that, uh, you know, our U.S. troops weren't allowed there. So Richard Pearl, actually, who's the, the future uh, chairman of the Defense Policy Board, he's the guy that worked with Eric Prince in Blackwater to say, oh, well, they're not troops. They're consultants. They weren't mercenaries either. Like we, we, they just relabel them all, but they're guys with guns. I mean, they're troops, right? So they just yeah. finessed the language a little, and we got a U.S. military presence in Azerbaijan. And well, and it's nothing you know new under the sun. You know, watching some of your videos leading up to today, you know, you you know, England didn't actually want to declare war on Spanish. So, but if they wanted to attack a Spanish ship and you know jack their gold, they used their privateers or some kind of proxy force to create their kind of plausible deniability. So it's really yep. been going on. For for a very, very long time. And it's you know, a very clever tactic. It yes. is. I mean, if the if the pirate gets caught, hey, you never heard of the guy, you know, and, and they can hang the pirate, but they can't trace it back to the state. Right. And well, it's very hard to do. And the level of you know, back in the day, you know, even Gulf of Tonkin time, you know, the level of sophistication of how, you know, the media manipulates our perceptions via, you know, via creating these false narratives is so much more sophisticated now than it was, you know, two hundred years ago or even, you know, fifty years ago. So it's, you know, it really, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's like I said, it's one of those third rail things and it really plays on our, our, our nationalism, if you will. Um, 
we just can't. Yeah, it, it, I think there's it's there has such to a, be right after nine eleven. It's like America got its two front teeth knocked out. That's how people felt. They felt personally, uh, their their ego was deflated. Like, oh, our big buildings in New York were knocked down. That was more of what hurt people more than the Pentagon or Pennsylvania. It was this iconic skyline was gone, and they, they just man, it was like rise of the i call them the jack off missile johnny glass parking lot crew they just wanted to go <laughs> blow up somebody and fuck him up you know and yes. i sat there with a cool head and I'm like well okay let's figure out who did this and not blame the wrong people and not collectively like if, if some terrorist even if the official story was totally as they say and okay al-qaeda does this why would you change the entire government of afghanistan and install a puppet regime like if some terrorist from toronto came and killed some people in the United States, you don't go level Canada and replace their uh, their entire government. Although right? re although replacing Justin self. Trudeau would be wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that's one of those indicators on its face. I was like, what? Well, and if you go back to the very basic, you know, the very basics of, you know, we funded the Mujahideen, we funded bin Laden. So, yes, we are responsible for 9-11. Yes, well, we funded... That's a great point because, and I bring this up in my film, The Empire in Mass, that when the Mujahideen, we, we helped create Al-Qaeda before 9-11. We're aiding Al-Qaeda after 9-11 in Syria and Libya. Yeah. But during 9-11, they were completely separate from our intelligence agencies. And as far as creating the Mujahideen, the U.S. didn't do that by itself. They had partners uh, with Saudi Arabia. They set up BCCI in physically in Pakistan, but it's created by the Saudis, right? right? And then they use the ISI, which is the Pakistan CIA, to funnel money through this series of banks uh, along with rigs, which is the traditional CIA money laundering uh, go-to, to create this giant uh, resistance force. And it actually starts before Russia goes in. Uh oh froze up a little bit. Ryan has froze. this up? There we go. Nope. There he is. There he is. There he is. He's back. You're good. Yeah. It started before, so it started before them, the Russians Al went Al-Qaeda is the diaspora movement, right? It just meant the database. That's all it was, was a list right. of foreign fighters from Afghanistan. Or from Afghanistan, uh, you had your native fighters. And the Mujahideen splits in two. And then you have the Northern Alliance. And then from one of the Mujahideens comes the Taliban. But a little corner uh, that Osama bin Laden, who... who Tim Osman was his hand was his real name, and the CIA is his code name. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, Tim Osman is a very wealthy Saudi family. You know, they're in construction, and he was able to help recruit. He's a religious figure too, so he could get people from Saudi Arabia, from Yemen, from Egypt, from everywhere to go right. to Afghanistan and fight. And these were the most militant ones. We created that Frankenstein, and then uh, you know, afterwards. What happens? Does this relationship just end? Uh, the Soviets lose, and we go, okay, thanks, Al Qaeda, Mujahideen. <laughs> no, they they took over Afghanistan. You know? Right. Well, and you know, going back to almost Smedley Butler's notion that you know war is a racket. You know, after the fall of you know the Soviet Union, there was no real boogeyman. So you know, the weapon sales that we all talk about on this show that they make billions off of was really slow. So they needed another boogeyman and enter this this infinite war on terror. And, you know, we've talked about the Kennedy assassination. Hopefully we're going to at the anniversary here coming up. But in order to really understand, I think, the Kennedy assassination or this, you've got to understand maybe the years leading up to a 9-11. Something I, mm -hmm. I found very interesting on your you know, podcast and some of your research, which is you know, public information, 
is, is organizations like PNAC, the Project for a New American Century, and these neocon think tanks that wanted to reshape the borders and reshape the world. And then you enter certain individuals like Douglas Fife, uh, William Armitage, Paul Wolfowitz, who goes on to lead the World Bank. So, and specifically the Office of Special Plans. Talk about some yes. of those players in the Office of Special Plans leading up to September 11, 2001. I'm glad this is a knowledgeable podcast because I've been going <laughs> on some that are like, can fire melt steel? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, PNAC is... It, PNAC had Bin Laden's face on their July issue, you know, just weeks or about a month and, and change from September 11th. It was at the very end of July, so it was really about a month. They had Osama Bin Laden right there in the middle, and then they start talking about Saddam Hussein and even anthrax. So, I mean, like, the entire post-9-11 narrative is written out in PNAC uh, papers before the 9-11. and. Yeah. PNAC had this media arm called the Weekly Standard, and it's all the same individuals. So the Project for a New American Century is essentially a bunch of Zionist neocons. The neocon I just call a traitor to the United States. Justin Raimondo has a more biographic definition of a, um, an ideological group that starts with Leon Strauss and uh, Henry Scoop Jackson. And, and But to me, it's like neoconservative because they get into the Republican administration or they're not conservative. They're not, you know, for small government, for example. They're not. They're they're just uh, Zionist warmongers. It's the worst of both parties, really. And they create this group, and they wrote these insane papers in the Project for a New American Century, talking about racially specific bioweapons and um, all kinds of like they suggested false flags, like oh, we could do this, we could do that, and they're sort of uh, media out like media arm of PNAC because PNAC is just an internal policy papers for one another and nerds, right? The weekly standard is the one that sort of published their ideas to the public. And the weekly standard got its seed money from Lockheed Martin, which is the largest defense, con it's the largest welfare queen in the United States. That's like <laughs> the largest aerospace defense contractor for 11 years in a row now, uh, but we would be number two and so on. So the MIC and the neocons kind of overlap. Um, when you say the MIC, the military-industrial the... complex. Gotcha. Yes, that, they there's that it serves the Pentagon. People have to understand is a giant umbrella corporation. You could think of it for because they divvy out defense contracts, which is ninety percent plus of a lot of these businesses' revenue is is straight up from the military. Like Boeing actually makes commercial planes. To fly, you know, people like to go for me to go to America. They make planes, you know. Everybody's been on a Boeing. Boeings were used in 9/11. Yeah. Lockheed Martin is almost exclusively weapons contracts, and a lot of the stuff they build is just shit. It's uh, it's just they add every bell and whistle on it on purpose just to make it more expensive. It, it's a complete welfare queen. But they found this alliance with the neocons because the neocons want nothing but war, right? And so the Weekly Standard is publishing. All of the all the pre-war lies about Iraq come from this cabal, and the individuals from PNAC and the Weekly Standard overlap. It's the same guys, and so you, you and you got people like Crystal and Robert Kagan and Fred Barnes acting as the mouthpiece for these Pentagon goons and PNAC. And PNAC's not just a think tank; they held positions in the Bush administration. Doug Fife was in the Pentagon. So was Richard Pearl. So was Paul Wolfowitz. Uh, he's a number three guy, in fact. And Paul Wolfowitz is a character 
that was in the center of the Iran-Contra affair, where people were convicted for conspiracy. <laughs> uh, so was Michael Ledeen. He's a, there's a lot of overlap from Iran-Contra people who end up later in the Bush, the lesser administration, Bush Jr. Yeah. And uh, they are acting in concert with the Weekly Standard to use that as a propaganda outfit for neocon talking points. And Douglas Fife, uh, in particular, he set up a secret office inside the Pentagon called the Office of Special Plans. And there was a mirror group in the Knesset in Israel. And all of these guys are dual citizen Zionists. And what this office did is they essentially, first they tried to cherry pick intelligence to make a case to go to war in Iraq. And when that wasn't enough, they just fabricated it. And I can give you examples of that if you like. But that was a secret office. And a lot of the no, intelligence. If you don't mind, please do, because know. I think that's that's beyond insane when we're talking about these individuals, these highest level of the DOD and the U.S. government are fabricating evidence and, to go to war. Yeah, and I would I would say this. Let me let me add to this that obviously when you're when we're talking about Zionists and warmongers and, and everything else that we're talking about, there are a lot of a, a huge number of Jewish citizens who are against these people also who know what they're doing. Yeah, and so, so this is not anti, this is not an anti-Jewish ideology. No, yeah, this not. is not an anti-Jewish it's just like rant. White supremacy is an ideology. And obviously white supremacists are usually white, but it doesn't work the other way around. Whites are not usually white supremacists. Jews are not usually Zionists. Yeah. But these guys are Zionists. They are supremacists. And this is their ideology. And, and, wow. I, and I say this and I have this conversation. I guess I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak for all of us. I, I understand it's the third rail when you mention anything against Israel because you become an anti-Semite. I'm not a fucking anti-Semite. You know what either. I mean? So, it's the same, like, if I'm going to criticize Saudi Arabia or Wahhabi Islam and ISIS, I'm not saying that's all Muslims. Right. Like, there's almost a billion that do not practice Wahhabi Islam. Exactly. This is just the extremists. But the extremists are the ones that get financing, whether it's the Zionists or the Wahhabi or what you can expand that around the globe. Exactly. It's the nutters that get all the money, like in Ukraine, for example, in Pakistan, because the military industrial conflicts wants to seed conflict. You're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars in profit. And as you alluded to earlier, with the Cold War ending, what is going to replace the budgetary pretext for this trillion-dollar expenditure? The war on terror. A war that can never end, by the way, because exactly. it's a war on a tactic. It's not like, what, are you going to kill them all? Like, if they attacked us for our freedoms, then we got two options. Give up our freedoms or kill all the attackers. We're not going to give up our freedoms, and you can't just genocide the earth. So it's just indefinite, perpetual war and conflict, which is what they wanted, because that's perpetual profit. And, well, ironic, and ironically, and ironically, they're tricking the Americans and the certainly the Western Europeans into giving up their freedoms while we're at war. Yes, that's that's what's happening. You're slowly losing your civil liberties. And it's creating this war war of civilizations, East versus West. I think that's the kind of the larger context of what they're trying to do. Because like you said, Ryan, this can go on forever. You know what I mean? This endless war on this ideology that, you know, they, they can perpetuate forever. And like you know, going back to Smedley Butler, war is a racket. You know, like you said, multiple billions, hundreds of billions, if not trillions, KBR, Halliburton, Dyncorp, General Dynamics, Lockheed Martin, Verizon, mm -hmm. Boeing, Raytheon, ITT. I mean, this is this is I just Iraq. Where's Militich fighting systems in all these countries? A lot of those you listed have overlapping board of director members. No, exactly. People don't usually. It, usually, it's a, in Japanese we call it a zaibatsu. Well, you'll have a bank. You'll have a, like a weapons industry in the United States, for example. Japan would probably be construction. 
and then a media company. And the, the weapons industries act as a parent company for media. So if you look at uh, Disney owns ABC, for example, right? And if you look at the board of directors of those and you look at Boeing, it's some of the same guys. Right. And you can see the same thing with Lockheed and CBS and so on. It all bleeds together into this giant corporate Saibatsu. And it's not illegal to have overlapping BOD members because, it, you know, it's not straight collusion. It's not a cartel legally. Right. It definitely is. So, <laughs> so like, let me let me. It's let, like outlawing napalm, but then you can use white phosphorus, which is an upgraded yeah, version of it, right? Right, right, more horrific. So, I want to circle back to nine eleven a little bit and the the Saudis that made it into this nation and John Brennan's part in that, and a little bit about John Brennan's background from your point of view. Sure. Well, before I get into that, I was making a connection to nine eleven with Iraq because yeah. it seemed like I'm talking about the neocons lying about the Iraq War. And I said they had Bin Laden's picture on there, but specifically some of the when they started fabricating things, one of the most important ones was this tale about anthrax. Yeah. Because legally, the well, the legal pretext to go into Iraq was that they were in violation of UN Resolution 1441 that stipulated they couldn't have weapons of mass destruction. And specifically the weapon of mass destruction target they were targeting was anthrax. The Secretary of State at the time, Colin Powell, went to the UN with a mock vial of anthrax and pointed to his ridiculous cartoon pictures of mobile weapon labs and stuff. And all those anthrax lies about a meeting in Prague and all the rest of it all come from the OSP. And then it was reiterated in the Weekly Standard and PNAC. Right. So, and I can get into the details of that too, but if you want, we can talk about Brennan as well. We can get over to all of it if you want to. Well, I mean, it's just I mean, kind of just the precedent's been set. You know, they will lie. I heard Dick Cheney leading up to the Persian Gulf War at Operation Desert Shield did a fabricated image of all these uh, Iraqi tanks on the border of the Saudi Arabia, which was fabricated. So, I mean, it's just, yep. I, I just, going even back to... Well, we, we put, I mean... You know, Iraq's leader was put in place to take out Iran anyway. We built that too. We, yeah, we built. And, we built and then Saddam we fal- and then we falsified the or you know the the attacks on the Kurds in northern Iraq. Obviously, it were really the really what ended up sending our troops in there. Well, and he the, he was given permission by the U.S. Hey, can I go take these Kuwaiti oil fields? Yeah, go ahead. And then once he yeah. does it, we immediately go in. I mean, we like I said, we many times on the show we. Uh, Saddam Hussein is a product of our CIA. We trained him to assassinate the Iraqi president, and I believe the 70s. 68, he lived 60. in exile in Egypt for a while. There you go. He wanted the Ba'athists as a buffer against the communists, but really it was a, to threaten Iran. And, you know, Israel's a big part of this. The Kurdish annexation of Iraq uh, led to Israel getting 77% of its oil imports from northern Iraq by the Kurds. It was part of, it's an old plan from Ben-Gurion called the Ben-Gurion uh, Periphery Strategy where they wanted to divide up what they call the Arab world and and pit it in sectarian violence and annex territory based on ethnic or religious or any tool they could use to divide it up Yugoslavia style. Everyone now calls it balkanization, but wow. they were doing this before balkanization, so it's the Ben-Gurion proliferation strategy. Uh, and that they tried to do the same thing in Syria, but since the Peshmerga got kicked out of Iraq uh, last October, almost a year ago, and then Turkey took Afrin, the British territory in Syria, they can't reach the sea, so they don't have a port, and their pipeline can't connect to Iraq because they lost that area of Iraq. So now they're just sitting there kind of in useless desert with no sea access and no lines, and so the Kurdish dream of annexation is pretty much dead. Yeah. But, um, 
well, people I'm, always the the kind of leftist gatekeeper version of Iraq, the anti-Bush more than anti-war movement, I called it, was to say we went to Iraq for oil. Well, that's just not the case. We already had the oil for food program. And if you look at oil imports from Iraq before and after 2003, there's no real change from the U.S. There's a huge change from Israel, though. Mm, great point. Great point. Well, you know, touching on, you know, almost like the, I hate to keep bringing up the Kennedy assassination, but like who shot from where? Grassy Knoll. How many shooters? Three bullets. How many? How many bullets? You know, it's 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 an interesting conversation to get into the nuance of how it happened, specifically nine eleven. Oh, I think I think the Daily Plaza thing, because I can talk about Kennedy too. But <laughs> I think the focus on magic bullet and all that nonsense is kind of like people talking about nine eleven who are obsessed with the physics. You know, it, like, I, oh, that's how, what I was just going look, to say. I, I eyeballed it, and it looked yeah. like it fell too fast. Yeah. And it, with Kennedy, they don't look at all the the things leading up to that assassination you know, at all. And or, you know, that his brother was assassinated afterward and what what common players were involved in that or who killed Oswald afterward and what none of that is. They're just looking at like, well, the Zapruder film makes it look like his head goes back and let, like they focus on it. I just wrote an article for uh, or I sent it to Rod Unz. The motives to kill it's him like were very, very big. Burn your house down. Do you sit there and split hairs about did they use kerosene or gas? Right. Or do right. you want to know who burned your house down? Right. Yeah, right. right. And so that's kind of the 9 11 thing. We get caught up in the thermite, thermite, shape charges, molten yeah, metal, yeah. you know, pancake theory. I mean, that's good. It, it makes for interesting conversation, but I think the larger. Well, it's not, funny because people got caught in a van full of RDX. Yeah, I was so gonna, I was gonna, gonna go ask you about that. <laughs> no, they, they did. Where was gonna, uh, you know, group? There were a group filming the attack. There were multiple news reports that day of a truck full of explosives that were found at the George Washington Bridge. There was another truck that was pulled over. There was over. a truck found in the World Trade Center with explosives. In, in the World Trade Center, there was a truck that was pulled over with a mural of a plane flying into the World Trade Center. That's that, not true. That last really? time, the mural truck is disinfo. Is yeah, it? On King Street, that whole thing. On and King they Street. Have the fireman's audio. That is not true. That was... I was going to say there was audio for it, too. Yeah, I know. I know all about it. The um, And the people, they they actually faked an urban moving systems van and put a uh, like a mural on it. It's total Photoshop or whatever. Okay. The guy did that, posted that on my forum, and he he wasn't doing it on purpose. The guy that made the truck image was just saying it probably looks something like this or whatever. Mm. And then everyone grabbed that like it was a real thing and then tried to add and da 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 da. But uh this I I wanted nothing to do with his crew because even though they were very much like in line with the the dancing Israelis and so on, it was coming from a kind of like these weird white separatist loons. I think they're just more motivated to hate Israel because they're Jewish than uh -huh. because they did it you know? again that that's so, the thing with these movements you know all of these conversations know, information I was, it, see i was there from the beginning so it's like if no, you try to sort that out now yeah it's impossible you know, that, that is so, so much, true man yes, so many yeah. years later from the holograms to you know these kind of it's it's definitely um there's a lot of nuance in this and like you know we've said a long time there's a lot this whole movement of conspiracy and this kind of talk has been infiltrated full on so there's a lot of mis and disinfo so if you throw thank out you a for correcting that truck story and someone debunks that then it, it like Kind Slippery of discredits slope. the actual, you know, vans that were found. Yeah. And, and it's not just every moving system. There were six different moving companies involved uh, who are giving logistical and financial support to hijackers, uh, as well as, you know, going in and out of the towers. And then one of them 
caught on, near the George Washington Bridge and one found by police in the tower the, the morning of the attack. Were these, were Rick these Sanchez the... reported on that. Pat Dawson reported on that. Right. But I... uh, Urban Moving System was sort of the one that got caught first that led to the unraveling of all the other industries. That It goes all the way down to Florida. I mean, the Miami FBI field office actually contacted the Newark office to say that, and this is blanked out, but a 9-11 hijacker had used this Israeli company to move. Like, they weren't just living next to them. They actually helped them move into New Jersey. And uh, I figured out through deduction that this this hijacker was the, um, not Alomari, yeah, Alomari, who is, he's pictured in the ATM uh, photos with uh, Muhammad Atta. I always screw up Alomari's name with Omar Bayoumi. I don't know why. It's just like a glitch I have. <laughs> Omar Bayoumi was a middleman for Saudi Arabia financing uh, Khalid al-Midhar and uh, Nadwaf in uh, San Diego. But yeah, Alomari actually used one of these Israeli companies to move around from Florida. So obviously, to these guys, these, the area. several of these guys were were CIA employees. I mean, that's it's it's widely believed, correct? Or Mossad. Well. Well, I'll give you an example. I mean, those the CIA Mossad are kind of not clearly separatable. Siamese so, I mean, twins. they're different, but there's when it comes to counterintelligence, they've been married at the hip since uh, James Jesus Angleton. I mean, yeah. it's been like that since the 60s. Uh, and then they brought in the Saudis in 1976 into the fray in this group called the Safari Club. Maybe you guys know. But mm-hmm. um, to answer that question, here's a good example. Uh, Zaid Aljara who was the alleged pilot for Flight 93, um, two, a few months after 9-11, two of his first cousins were busted in Lebanon as Israeli spies. So a 9-11 hijacker, yeah. pilot, has cousins, not 32-degree cousins, like first cousins. His uncle was a politician, and Youssef Al-Jara and Ali Al-Jara uh, were both busted as spies. And Ali Al-Jara, the older one, he had been... Uh, a lifelong spy since the 80s, you know, on Hezbollah. And they went through and found the computers and all that in their house. And this gets reported in like USA Today and some papers, but it's not on TV. And if it's not on TV, right. it's just sort of missing from the American consciousness. It's like, they're like, oh, what a dink! Wow, the 9-11 hijacker has uh, cousins uh, who work for Israeli intelligence. And this guy, you know, when he's in Germany, he doesn't live with the other hijackers. And he's a, he's if you look at this particular hijacker in particular, he and Atta, there's like at least one in each cell that's an oddball. And it seems to be that there were authentic hijackers who hated America, the muscle, the plebs that came over, but embedded in each cell, they had handlers. And there's no real evidence that Aljara was even on Flight 93 because in the tapes that came out and the transcripts came out for the Masawi trial, as well as the air phone calls, not cell phone, air phone calls. Right. They all mention three, not four, hijackers. And even the hijackers themselves refer to the pilot by a different name. They had Gunal. Uh, and so Saeed is not Ever Ziyad, mentioned. right? And they mention uh, the, the other guy could also pilot. They had a lot of redundancy, which is odd too. Like, okay, you've got several pilots on all these planes in case one scats or whatever but uh even the other hijackers say that and yet the official narrative continues to say that it's out because he was the better pilot or whatever but there's no mention of him by any of the air phone calls or even the cockpit they're there 
you think one of them was just in the back goofing around and all i mean they're there they're <laughs> crashing the plane praise all of this they would all be together obviously they'd all be together and they were not his voice never shows up and what they did on youtube is they they subtitled it and they make aljara the speaker but he's not the speaker because the other hijackers refer to him by the other guy's name <laughs> wow Said. so you know i mean and then this is the best Flight 93, they say, oh, it disappeared in the hole. That's not true. They actually recovered like 90. They've recovered more of that plane than any of the other three planes. It, it is under most of it underground, but they found the paper passport of Al Jara. So that's the evidence that he was there. <laughs> and an urban moving system van was actually busted on its way back from Pennsylvania. Why they're driving from New Jersey to the middle of Pennsylvania, like Shanksville is not a popular tourist destination or anything is unexplained but they goofed because they they lied about their whereabouts and these idiots still had the receipt from the tolls they had paid in new jersey <laughs> proving that that is exactly where they were that morning and you know and this is all in the fbi file there's a thousand eight hundred page report on it as well as a, a very short police report three pages but it's important because it has all the names and uh, i went through that rosetta stone style getting all this hmm. information but it's like what pat said I come up against the wall because I'm trying to talk about hijackers and planes and they're like, they're, they're all still alive. And I, you know. I was just going to ask you about that as a part of all these kind of missing disinfo. Obviously I've heard the stories about how some of the hijackers have been found alive in Saudi Arabia or wherever else that, that there's, there's no validity to any of that. I mean, finding, finding uh, somebody whose name matches a passport that's used doesn't mean that that right. person is still alive. It means they stole a passport. Right. I mean that, or or someone just has the same name. That's all. Which oh, is like, it's another Rob Smith. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm sure there's another Ryan Dawson. I'm sure there's several. You know. Yeah. But uh, there was one incident where it was the same name, which you know, like if it's Muhammad, whatever, whatever. That's pretty common. It's it's pretty common, but the same birth date as well. So that was like, okay, that's that's weird. But then again, you can just steal identities right, and this right, is something right. routinely done they were faking identities in fact uh one of the places they did that was a a, a tennessee mv because in 2001 tennessee was one of three states where you did not need a social security number to get a driver's license wow. and they simply bribed this woman Catherine smith see tennessee is important because the urban moving systems company as well as white glove movers max movers these six companies that that i know of there may have been more they're using aero trucks. Aero truck is like if you have a U-Haul or a Ryder or whatever, they're sort of a generic truck. In Tennessee's where FedEx is and all that, and they use box trucks through box Memphis, trucks, like the hub, right? And so if you're going to start a furniture moving company or whatever, you rent this out and you put your logo on it, basically. And so they were using that. And an individual had driven one of these aero-based trucks from New York to Tennessee on 9-11. Because what happened was, a group of guys got busted getting these fake IDs for this other operation that deals with peddling ecstasy and is a long story. But anyway, they were getting these guys' IDs and moving them around, these low-ranking privateers, the expendable crew, right? Yeah, yeah. But the guys, Sakura Hamad um, and Khalid Odala were the kind of ringleaders. And there was another Hamad, was his cousin. I forget his first name. I'm not that autistic, but... They're there <laughs> in the parking lot when the sting happens serendipitously. They're not looking at them for 9-11. They're looking at them for getting these IDs. Because right. Catherine Smith, the woman, the cohort in the DMV who they just bribed, they bought her a car. And you know, 
she she goofed up. And so they catch them, and before they have time to do anything, one of these guys, Ahmad, has on his person a pass to do work at the World Trade Center for some company called Dinko Mechanical Heating and Plumbing, which, if you trace that back, just went to some residential address in New York. It wasn't even real business. Uh, didn't have like a a business front. It's just an address. And they had fudged uh, credential letters for fire prevention credentials that you need to be a, such a company. They had fake uh, reference letters there, and and they got in trouble and indicted for that. But these guys were doing work illegally in the World Trade Center, and the World Trade Center, up until they sold it to Larry, what even afterward actually, because the transition wasn't completely finished, the Port Authority is who of New New York and New Jersey. I had owned those properties previously and was in the you know process of, of sending it privately to Larry Silverstein, which is a story I can talk about in a second. <laughs> but they, they, <clears throat> they did all the in-house work. If you're going to hire someone to work on the sprinkler systems or the elevators or some you know intrinsic part of the building, a tenant's floor or something that was like part of the building as a whole, it would go through the Port Authority, and they had not hired anybody. And Susan Nash and FBI wow. agents had looked into this. And so, well, who hired Denko Mechanical and had these guys in there at least from September 5th working on the fire prevention systems, which, by the way, did fail on 9-11. Yeah. So well, what, who was and So they're all from Jerusalem, by the way. <laughs> wow. And so, Catherine Smith is murdered a day before the trial. She's yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So how many these of these guys were all in custody? Someone else did that. Yeah. So how many of these how many of these moving companies still exist? How many are front companies for the quote unquote agency? Hmm. You know, which obviously the agency has a million front companies. You know, what what has been found out about all that? And and which ones are still in existence? Yeah, they kind of morph businesses uh, and some of these guys start selling art. But uh, Urban Moving Systems is gone. Dominic Suter fled to Israel, left furniture stranded midway like in the warehouses right it they did move furniture it wasn't like completely fake, sure like sure mechanical. i mean you actually have to do this some of the work to make it look company real company that hired hungarians and russians and stuff to move the furniture and hired a bunch of israelis who never were moving couches or anything right but they were taking vans in and out of the world trade center and, and so forth but uh that one's gone a white glove is still exists uh or at least there's a company with that name um okay. But I don't know. I think it's been sold like three times, so it may have <laughs> nothing to do with the original one. But who knows? Right. It would be pretty stupid to keep these fronts after 9/11. One of the night, the the infamous dancing Israelis, uh, however, Yaron Schmelk, he did think it was uh, such a great event that he got married uh, in 2002 on September 11th. And you know, talk about that if you don't mind, because that's you know a lot of not a lot of people might understand or know about the dancing Israelis, their attachment or their association with the Israeli Mossad. They were being oh, they were yeah. shown filming yeah, it, the attacks. If you don't mind, break that I, down a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've had so many interviews. I no, that's I all right. That, that's all right. I haven't. So yeah, so uh, Urban Moving Systems is one of these companies with uh, that's Israeli front. Um, on the morning of September 11th, um, before the first plane hit. Okay, a group of these urban moving systems employees had their vans, two vans, parked uh, at this place called Doric Towers, which is on a high ridge in New Jersey and it overlooks like perfectly at the Twin Towers. I went there myself. When you look at it on Google Maps, it looks like, well, there's a bunch of buildings. It's so high above those that it's it's this clear eyeline shot of the World Trade Centers. 
they were parked there that morning waiting. There's lots of cigarettes on the ground. I actually counted that in the FBI's list of <laughs> material. So they've been sitting there a while waiting and waiting and waiting. And they were witness celebrating when the planes hit. They were flicking lighters and high-fiving each other and hugging each other and screaming and filming, taking pictures and with the burning tower in the backdrop. And they, so that was very suspicious. You know, these Middle Eastern men are celebrating a terrorist attack, which a lot of people until the second plane hit thought it was an accident. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Froze, froze, froze. Back in three, two, oh. Hopefully you can hear us. <clears throat> there he is. There he is. Back. Oh, you got coming back. All right. Sorry, they were celebrating, sorry, it, it taking happens, pictures. Man. International connections sometimes. But yeah, yeah. Most people thought the first plane hitting was a a tragic accident, right? And they said the same thing. But if you thought it was an accident, why would you celebrate it? Like, what is so cool about a plane crash when right. people dying and right in front of you? Uh, but they knew. I mean, it's obvious later that why they're really celebrating. They knew the the plot had come. Not only that, but they were looking at the north side of the North Tower, which is not just a site of the World Trade Centers, but the exact uh, face of the of the World Trade Center that you'd want to see where the plane went in. Flight 11 hit first. Then they moved to another location and they watched the second one go down. And then they went to White Glove Movers. With this woman named Karen, I don't have her last name. I got her first because of a flyer about her birthday that was found, and a lot of de- de- <laughs> sleuthing there I did. But uh, they, she had spent the night with them in Brooklyn the night before. They had a big party on September 10th because you know, randomly on a Monday you have huge parties on September 10th, it's especially like when you're holiday, a, right? especially yeah. when you're a Muslim, yeah. you know, doing blow, seeing strippers yeah. with a hooker. But, <laughs> but these guys aren't Muslim. They are they're all Jewish and they're <clears throat> they're working for a. A furniture company, and this is an odd story, too. It's like, oh, yeah, you go through college, you do your military service, you learn English, and then you come to the United States and you work a minimum wage job moving furniture. And two of you just happen to be on the counterintelligence database as foreign agents, and you're celebrating 9-11 and your position before the first plane hits, filming it. And a lot of people get confused because the woman that called the police on them, she just saw celebrating she didn't know how long they'd been there her name's maria i don't know if i can say her last name but it's in the reports if you want it okay it's the italian word for september put it that way (laughs) they're they're there but in the fbi documents there were several other witnesses at doric towers as well as the crew that was working on a a billboard that they were painting who had seen the trucks there as as early as eight in the morning they've been waiting at least 45 minutes or more she just saw them celebrate but she waited till her husband came home and told him first, and then he calls the police. They put out a bolo, uh, be on the lookout, and almost immediately these guys are nabbed <clears throat> uh, near Route 3 in New Jersey coming back from White Glove, and they still had their cameras on them. So they had 76 pictures on, on two cameras. All that was obviously confiscated by the police. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they had a notepad in there with the phone numbers of the other moving companies. And they had just come back from a moving company. They've got $5,000 stuffed in a sock, 4700 in this pouch, and more 300 and change and on another one. Uh, so these minimum wage uh, furniture movers have, you know, walk around New Jersey and New York with $5,000. Yeah. And all of them had plane tickets with immediate destinations out of the country. And they were all going to different places, I found out. 
One went to Germany, one went to India, one went to Australia. I'm doing from memory. And I know because these idiots had their vacation pictures still on LinkedIn and stuff like that. So, nice. But um, yeah, and I was actually covertly talking to the wife of one of them who didn't know it was I was Ryan Dawson, obviously. <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear. Let, what was your name when you were talking to her? Uh, oh, I had a bunch of. Uh, well, I still use my covert accounts, but I had a bunch of dummy accounts, okay. and uh, I was using that one. One of my my good ones. You don't, we don't want to blow your. We don't want to blow. Yeah, we don't want to blow your. Co- <laughs> yeah. We don't want to blow your yeah, cover, so Yosef. Yeah, I people like this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Achnad. It was very, it's very much not me. Put it that way. And uh, but <laughs> these the hubris on these people. I mean, they're so they're so stupid. But and these guys were detained and they were. I mean, they're in jail for seventy one days. And but one of the crew. So by the way, three guys get a re- were witness celebrating, but five were in the van on their way back, and two of them are brothers, right? But one of these guys, you got Joran Schmel, you got Oned Elder, you've got uh, Sivan Kersberg, Paul Kersberg, and this guy named Mamari, Omir or Omar Mamari, Omir Mamari. And that guy, he wasn't really in with the click. The only reason he was kind of there, the moving company and stuff, and got a job and started getting involved with this was because Sivan recognized him from being in the Israeli military together. It was just somebody he knew. And so... He's in there and he's the one that really breaks down in jail, like hmm. and just starts spilling the beans because all of them failed their polygraph tests. And I know you can't use that in court, but they're they're pretty damn accurate. For if, people it's a, if it's 100 percent across the board for all of them. Yeah, that's, they that's all pretty failed. telling. Yeah, they all yeah. failed and they all have different stories from each other. Like, what were you doing that morning? We know the three of them are together. They're already witnessed, you know. Right. But they separate them and they're like, oh, we stopped for gas and we did this. And like, you're such a fool because there's a picture on the camera of you getting gas at two o'clock in the afternoon. You run out already, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, they know where they went to lunch and they know that because they, they figured this out. Like people saw them, you know. Yeah, one of them had a ham sandwich, by the way. He wasn't keeping kosher. <laughs> but um, so... <laughs> I don't think they're like strictly religious. I think their right. religion is the state of Israel. So and getting paid, yeah. and getting paid yeah. pretty much. But these and then a lot of these like uh, hardcore Muslims that are going to strip bars and stuff. I was like, yeah, you're just a hypocrite, you know. And that's kind of typical, I guess. Just privateers, you know, just doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there was I'm a mixed sorry. bag. I mean, there are Al Qaeda that just want to kill Americans for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think they're, after 2001, you know, and even probably before that, there's a lot of blowback. A lot of kids who were, you know, just very small in 2001 are older now. Mother, father, niece, nephew, or somebody's been killed. So now we have to. But like you I said, that, there's always that, that handler at the top, you know, the imams or whatever right. they are. There's always. They just can't do it by themselves. And right. And a lot of were financed by the CIA to purposely foster militant Islam uh, so that you could have a crop of these characters to use in proxy wars. See, this was going on when the Cold War did exist, and you can't have a, a nuclear war with the with the Soviet Union. They would use proxy forces. So, like, well, you can send privateers in all day, and a good way to have a generation of of proxy forces is to intentionally uh, Islamify, you know, like to to promote fanaticism. If you remember, a slogan in the Vietnam War was "Kill a commie for Christ." Like part of the motivation wasn't understanding the retarded economics of communism. It was they're atheists and don't believe in Jesus. Right. And for militant Islam is the same thing. It's like they're, they're atheists. That's to them is all is already. So you got to kill the heathens, you know, well, like of course. if you're fanatics. When well, this, this whole notion, so, like you said, enters. 
enters our good friend that we've talked about many times on the show is Fethullah Gulen, the uh, the, the former Turkish guy that now here in, in the United States up in the, the Northeast has you know sitting on he's twenty like billion his, dollars foundation. That he's runs, like in his eighties or something, yeah. and they blamed him for the coup in Turkey. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, part of his money and part of his role is to facilitate this Islama Islamification. This you the know, madrasas all, all over that. the country, all over the. Yes, I think they broke him out of jail one time. Like they had helicopter rescues for some yeah. of these guys. Absolutely. My former boss was a uh, FBI translator, Sibel Edmonds. Maybe you've had her on. I don't know, but we do know Sibel. She, she has, uh, she's something, but she has, uh, she had a lot of inside. Um, she's had a bit of a knowledge. falling out with James Corbett. I'm not sure if you followed that recently. She's. I've been a huge I, fan I was, of Sibel. I was behind the scenes trying to make peace between her, him, Vanessa Bealy, and the rest of it, and I just. I can't step in the middle of those. Cat I don't cat know like what that. precipitated that because Sabelle. I mean, I still love Sabelle, but just when I heard, I wish they wouldn't fight. I wish. I don't know what just, the root of it was. I I know talking I know, to Eva I mean, a little I, bit and Vanessa. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff about Syria, but it's like a guy named Jabal, Jamal from Australia. Well, this is dirt, but basically, she got fed a bunch of crap by pe- by very jealous individuals who just hate Eva and Vanessa and stuff for because. They're kind of, you know, quickly ascended in media, and some people felt a little butthurt by that who have been seriously working about Syria, too, for years and years and years with no recognition. And so suddenly when some girls go and, you know, instantly get hundreds of thousands of views or whatever, they were very jealous of that. Like, well, everybody's promoting these women and white knighting for them, and here I am busting my ass and not getting recognition. That was that guy's motivation. Mm. It doesn't matter. To me, I'm like... Yeah, they got recognition real fast, but that's not their fault. You know, they're just trying to report on Syria. Right, so right. Yeah, and so some and of this so sorry, he some fed of this some disinfo and then she shots fired and whatever, yeah. you know. So some of this misinformation that is being bled into the alt right media, what whatever we want to call it, the alternative media, some of it you're saying is obviously jealousy, but a lot of it is there there's some plants that have been put in place. I mean, they start out for many months or or even a year or, or longer. Mm-hmm. With some very legitimate facts, you know, documentation on their stories, and then out That's of the Jim blue, Fetzer. out of the blue, uh, <laughs> who's that? Jim Fetzer. He starts off sane and then went full crazy, like, uh, right. and he did the same thing to Kennedy, blaming it on the driver, all stupidity. But mm. this guy is not a plant, though. Like he's he went after Robert and Lakesh, who's a friend of mine. I went to Sydney and stayed at his house and stuff. The, the, I know people that know this guy. He's just mental. Like, hmm. it's not a plant. He's nuts. Note <laughs> like, to self. Don't but have him on. But Pat's saying yeah. is 100% true. <laughs> they, they definitely, uh, it's, it's the old COINTELPRO. It's Operation Mockingbird. You know, you got to take over and control the go. narrative. And uh, when someone says something ridiculous about 9-11, let's say holograms, I think everyone can agree how ridiculous that is. Why do we even know about that? Why is that? kind of information disseminated so quickly so widely that the hoaxers the hologrammers the whatever's uh that gets push push pushed and then someone like myself and i made it war by deceptions free you know that smoothly connects the war propaganda in iraq to the osp to 9-11 factual our own government admits it you know our own fbi saying that that doesn't I don't get to go on Jonestown or whatever and say right. that, you know, but all the crazies do. And so right. you have to think, why is that? Why are all the nuts? But, 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 but what you're saying takes cerebral power to comprehend. And I have a dumb, dumb version of it though. Like, <laughs> well, of, of course, of course. And I, I'm the, I'm the simpleton of the group. I like to, 
even when I'm calling fights, I try to simplify things as much as possible because, you know, we go we come off with so many acronyms and, and things that most people that for the first time or 10th time or even 20th time listening to this go, I have no clue what these guys are talking about. It hmm. sounds really at least, fucking cool. At least cool. you know that you don't know. Pat Militich is the John Madden of MMA. <laughs> 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 well, you see, he's got to hit the other guy more than he gets hit. You know? <laughs> Bam! Tough acting to acting. The UFC used to do that, whereas, like, like, Goldberg knew more than he would say, but he would play like, oh, explain this, Joe, you know, and Joe would talk about mainly jujitsu, because that's what people didn't know about the most, right? Right, but, you and know, like, somebody, somebody time, come off with people were just this. learning names of holds and things, right? Right. But someone's got to do that. you got to you got to build it up. Spoon you can't feed. always dump yeah. it down, or yeah. they never learn, right? Right, right. Well, and, you know, just something just out of thin air, the, the CFR, and I, I would stop the podcast and go, for those that don't know, that's the Council on Foreign mm -hmm. Relations. And this is the conversation um, between our Assistant Secretary of State and, and a member of the Council on Foreign Relations on deciding who will become the new president of the Ukraine since we've just fucking destroyed it. Right? Yeah. So that's how I have to dumb things down because I want people to go, okay, now I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're right. so... Right. Like, we could have rattled off MIC and PNAC, OSP, yeah. these are all acronyms. They're like, okay, Office of Special Plans, Project for a New American Century, which is a new conservative think tank. A it's neocon means this. And da, it's da, da, important, da, 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 though. It's important that you just this. did that. Like, <laughs> it, it is. It's important that you just did that for a lot of people that are going to hear this and go, okay, now I've got the names I can research. Well, from. when he said MIC, I was like, you know, just to qualify, because I had heard you mention that, and I never necessarily heard it called MIC, but I definitely know what the military industrial complex is. But no, we can't. Right. It's definitely true. We, we oftentimes kind of, not necessarily an echo chamber, where we kind of talk to people that are already kind of in the know. So it helps that we slow it down to kind of make it a little bit more comprehensive. Um, Less good on y'all's part for interview, as, as interviewers and be like, wait, explain what that means, even though yeah, you know what it means. For like, sure. Tell it, it's really important. I just get going, man. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you you you're running, man. You are. You we are we kind of are the we are the same way. So I I'm look Jeffrey. I think is going to smack me for doing this. No, no, no. Hold on. I know I know where you want to no, go. I'm going to smack you. No, I know you want to go. <laughs> I just get excited that I can talk to somebody without having to slow it down. So when you guys, I knew within a few minutes of talking to you, I'm like, all right, they know. So they know what the just, fuck is up. Can, that's I what I'm talking about. Flow freely, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but before before Tat, Pat takes you where he wants to take you, and I definitely want to hear your your opinion on this as well. You know. <laughs> Again, not talking about thermite and what plane, how many planes, the the melting point of steel and all that. The war, <laughs> the war games that went down that day. That to yeah. me was just so. When I wound up really getting into it and reading maybe Webster Tarpley's book Synthetic Terror, just hearing just in general, you know, the dozens and dozens and dozens of war games from. Jeez, uh, what are the names? Uh, uh, Northern Vigilant, Vigilant Guardian, Vigilant Warrior, you know, Operation Tripod, all simulating a bio attack, a, an attack on the Pentagon, attack on the World Trade Center. Um, one of the major ones that really fucked things up was, um, I believe it was called Vigilant Guardian, where they were, NORAD was simulated, inputted planes, false planes, phantoms on the radar screen for air traffic control. So they had no idea what was what was legit planes, what was not legit They're planes. They're so confused. I mean, there's audio of them saying, is this real or exercise? And precisely. Yeah, yeah. And so that that to me was a, definitely a huge, you know, obviously a cover, you know, like they call it, uh, you know, an operational yeah, the cover. The tapes are shredded and put in different trash cans. You know? like, right, right. And so, you know. There's so when, many, like, there's so many smoking guns or I don't know. It's like, it's not just one thing. Like, that's like, well, that's really uh, damning, you know. But it's kind of circumstantial. It's like for, wow. for sure. But it's I guess obvious, right? You no, know, but it's not. We like say that all the way. time, taken as a whole. But if you this put can't it be all together. Yes, 
This can't yeah. be some Keystone Cop moment of like, you know, they're just, they're all just incompetent. You know, that particular day, the the, 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 the drills in the, what they call the NEADS, the Northeastern Air Defense Sector, it was insane. You know, half some of the planes are in Alaska and Canada. That's why their response time was so slow. Yeah. It just, all these different, like you said, and you can hear them like, is this real time or is this, you know, what's, and it created that fog of war. And, you know, for me, like you said, it, it becomes just a circumstantial thing. But when you kind of use common sense, and kind of see how they I don't I don't know if Dick Cheney was controlling well, all of this because you get to. Yeah, well, you get to look and say, well, who made those decisions to have those drills in those days and stuff? And yeah, like, Cheney had moved a lot of the power from the joint staff, chief of staffs to himself. Yes. yes. Um, and Cheney saying and Norman Mineta, I know you guys know this, but I'll just say it anyway, That's the right. transportation secretary is on record saying this and it's backed up in Clark's book and others. Uh, I did it. I mean, I don't want to get into the details of like proving what I'm saying every single time and make a statement because sure. I already have films about this. But right, right. he essentially is saying they're turning around to him and saying the plane's 40 miles out, 30 miles out. The orders still stand. And Dick Cheney whips his head around. He's like, of course it still stands. Now, they try to claim that they're talking about Flight 93, but they can't be because Flight 93 is not 20 miles from anything. Flight 77 was. And mm. see, Flight 77 didn't hit when it was supposed to it was coming and he was up too high right so he had to turn around and get some distance again because he was too high to hit the pentagon so he had to do like a little loop and then come back from the interstate down there and then hit the other side and so cheney's just sitting there they're like sitting there it's not just flying at the pentagon it's like whoops oh well, wait let it go around and have a second try and they still wouldn't shoot it down <laughs> it's like, so you do cheney you are of the, on it. you are of the mind that a plane did hit the pentagon i've seen the hole and it doesn't look that huge and i hear about there's not no plane you haven't seen the hole then because what they do like films like loose change and stuff like that is they only show the hole in the second floor and they don't show the first floor there's a big 90 foot hole in the first floor okay i've got photos and video of it their debris of the plane was still in the building. They even have DNA evidence that Walter Reed of all the passengers except for okay. the baby. Okay. So, like, but see, that kind of misinformation about the missile stuff is is on purpose because if you don't have a plane hitting the Pentagon, and then then you don't have a paper trail that goes right back to our own government because if you don't have a plane, you don't have the hijackers, right? But those hijackers, we know, and this was recently declassified from the infamous 28 pages. Hmm. Al-Midhar and Al-Hazmi had gotten financial support through Omar Bayoumi and Osama Basnan, who were Saudi middlemen. They gave the money, like their wives got the money. And they got it from the wife of Prince uh, Prince Bandar, Bandar Bush, and Turk bin Fasil. So the state officials of Saudi Arabia, like the head of Saudi intelligence, actually, sent money through the wives of two middlemen directly to 9-11 hijackers. And the, we knew this. Plus, the CIA had they had already been involved in the SS coal bombing, so they're already terrorists. They're already on the fly list. How the hell did they enter the country using the real names and openly live? One of them even had a job at a gas station, right? The only one that actually had a real job. The CIA had witnessed these individuals at a Al Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia, where they met KSM, and stayed. At Khalid his, Sheikh Mohammed. Khalid place. Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah, Khalid the... Sheikh Mohammed. Thank you. Blind <laughs> Sheikh. They they met with him, who's like the real architect of like Bin Laden and then KSM. I mean, I would say KSM number one even, yeah. or Zawahiri. So the, the the face is never the real dude, right? Right. So, but anyway, he's meeting with Al Qaeda. They've already blown up embassies and ships and stuff. They're terrorists. They go to California. Uh, immediately, the Saudis, because these guys can barely speak English or anything, 
They meet their Saudi handlers. They're getting money from him. He bought him an apartment. Osama Basnan lived in the same apartment with them for a month and then moved right next door in Lemon Grove. Uh, and there's a bunch of – they were laundering money through Kuwaiti Mosque and blah, blah, blah. They use Riggs Bank, the traditional CIA money laundering bank, uh, and prop these guys up. And the CIA never informed the FBI that, hey, you want to know that a couple of al-Qaeda members that just met with the head of al-Qaeda are living in California and going to flight schools? <laughs> they didn't tell them. It's madness. It's and, madness. So it's I mean, essentially to kind of summarize but before that, Pat. But tracing that back has to admit that these guys sure. were on a plane that hit the Pentagon. And so if you erase that part of the story, yes. then no one's looking at the hijackers who were on that plane, which goes right back to the Saudi government and the CIA. Well, so it's, they this is that. And like a missile from what? From where? Yeah, and, and, and what happened to the plane like you, that everyone saw? And like you were Pentagon mentioning, a lot of people are forgetting. And, da, 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 da. and there's all these explanations, but it's like. The fucking plane's still in the building, man. Like, there's debris all over. Like, what happened to the engines? They can't evaporate. They didn't. You know? It's like saying the steel and the buildings couldn't melt. It didn't. Well, that's it's the thing that there. people don't realize. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a forensic uh, uh, pathologist who takes care of plane wrecks. That's all he does. And I happen to be sitting next to the guy on a plane. And we're flying. And, he's de- and I ask him, I go, I want the details of your job. And he goes, look... Um, Many times when just a just a regular plane wreck happens, the only thing left of any human body is like little pieces of feet that were inside their shoes that were protected from the hard leather or whatever enough to not be completely gone. And that's usually what he's testing. And he talked about the plane hitting the Pentagon and, and everything else. He goes, you don't realize he goes the plane that hit the field in Pennsylvania. He goes, most of it's in a million little pieces, but. There's a huge chunk of it that's underneath the ground. I mean, yeah. it's it's buried. It's buried in there. So the one that hit the Pentagon, those walls are massively thick. The thing is going to disintegrate into a million dime pieces. You know, it just there's is. only two. They have, um, but like the landing gear, and there's certain pieces that survive. Like their landing gear and tires right in front of the C ring. Hardened. But yeah, another hardened. thing that people don't understand, and this really discredits people's research ability. And I, I'm like completely in line with these guys for their motive and their intention or whatever. But AE911, you get all these architects and engineers throughout their professional opinions about the Pentagon stuff. And one of them, you know, David Ray Griffin, because he's written some books, he says this line, like people memorize, there's no way the self-news cone of a Boeing could smash through the six rings of the Pentagon, blah, blah, blah. There are no rings on the, the bottom two floors. The rings are on the top. Like, if you haven't looked at the blueprint of the Pentagon, if you don't know what the architecture of the Pentagon even is, how the fuck can you have an opinion about the, what right. <laughs> it ought to be, right? There are none. There's two basement levels, too. Uh, and so a lot of the debris fell down there, floor burn. But their landing gear was there. Some of the turbine parts are there. Some pieces are there. And mainly what they're getting is, like you said, feet and dental records. And it was through the teeth and things like that that they're finding. But... They had enough time and money, and it's right there with Walter Reed. And they, they found five unidentified, uh, two which were related to each other. So that would have been the hijackers. And other than the baby, they were able to find enough DNA from all these passengers. Yeah. And so, and there are pieces of plane. And for Flight 93, I've got a picture of the big red dumpster where the, it is like millions of little pieces, but they're all there, you know. And yeah. also, it's interesting 93 is there was a knife that survived that crash, a big Bowie knife. And they actually trace that back. It's in the in the itemized list of debris for 93, if you want to look at it on 9-11 myths, actually. 
it's a debunker site, but they it's the easiest way to find it. But this knife was purchased out of Walmart, and they actually got the guys on camera going and buying the knife and everything. So this what? is very different from the this is not the cutter story. Right. They got big knives, and they got that through, and they probably had mace because that's also on the air phone calls. And people want to dismiss that too because they're like, oh, no, they, they, you can't have a cell phone call. I'm like, it's not a fucking cell phone. Right. It's an air phone. Yeah. And you do. And they, they did not fake these voices. Yeah, you can. Like the technology exists, but they didn't. You know, like, yeah. they, like why have a call? Just don't have a call. You don't got to go through this rigmarole and faking <laughs> voices and fooling the family. Like, that's so stupid. Hmm. But they're admitting mace is being used, that there's a gas. Yeah. On Flight 11, they're saying that's the last thing I think it was Robert Ong ever said. Now there was one fake call that that was put out as disinformation, and if you look at this individual's family, it goes straight back to intelligence. So again, this is kind of like the mural van thing. They put something similar out to things that are true, so that people will look at that, figure out it's false, and then think the whole thing. Well, false. and that, that's where I get my. You listen to those calls. That's where I get my Eddie Bravo on. You know about NASA. They've lied about this and this and this, or they're lying about everything. And that's you know <laughs> yeah. it's, that really you have to have your discernment. You know what I mean? It's in this kind of field. It's like fuck it. They lied about this. They're lying about everything. It took and it's, me a long time, but I finally got Eddie to admit a plane hit. He's like, can he land it? Like, if you can land a plane on the runway, then you can hit the first floor of a building. Like. I had to show I had to show him video of the hole. I had to show him all the big pieces that were left of the plane. I had to show that because people just lie to you. I mean, and loose change, like how the fuck can you not show the first floor in every single photo? Yeah. That is on purpose. They only show the hole in the second floor. That is intentional. Uh, and they always have a hose spraying under the bottom or something. They don't want to show you this big gaping black hole where a plane went. Yeah, in. see that that one blew my mind. That loose change when I first saw it because, of course, you know, almost like the day it happened, you know, people Sikhs are getting beat up because people think Sikhs are Muslims. Like we have this like yeah. voracious, oh this voracious yeah. appetite for revenge. So when I saw loose change, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then when I saw something about like one of the planes survived and the tail number was seen in Cincinnati or something, I'm like. Where the fuck do people go? It just kind of filled my mind with a lot of different bullshit, you know, just bullshit, and just well, red herrings, and it was it's kind look of frustrating. Who financed that movie? And your answer was it there. Alex? <laughs> no, no, someone else. You'll see. Okay, <clears throat> so but, uh, loose change again. They never come out and correct it after the fact. Like I was sending them information. I'm like, can you please stop telling people this bullshit about the Pentagon? And here are some names, and like they they have the black box. Like they found the black boxes of '93 and the '70s, right? Um, that's how you have the transcript from '93 that have the three hijackers instead of four. Like they didn't want that out, but it's not like the whole damn government's in on it. You know, they can't cover everything up. This is right. a small click. You know, this is an in-house thing, just like Iran Contra, and they screwed that up too. They got caught because a plane crashed full of drugs and right. or guns in Nicaragua from the CIA, and again the tail numbers. So the CIA, they're not using. Uh, their own planes anymore you know they they uh, there's a there's an operation condor I talked to a uh, bill bill condit i think his name was we got all into the aviation stuff i mean there's some aviation nerds that can really like spell this out better than me but that america one and all that 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 ted shackley and those used to use to move heroin in the united states they've moved they've upgraded from that there's so many intermediaries now so you got to keep paying for those off the off the books uh, black ops. And so, I've said before, that's I've, why I've we said, got opium, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've said before that I had a guy who was applying for um, basically an affiliate school underneath me. Out of I'm not going to say what state, 
And I go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this with you just like I do everybody else. I said, I need your full name, your birth date, and your social security number, <clears throat> excuse me, so I can run a criminal background check on you. If you're going to have a, a Militich Fighting Systems affiliate, not, a, not an actual, he's not a black belt underneath me, anything like that. It means I'll, I'll come there and do seminars and a few other things. So I said, but I want to do a background check on you. And he goes, got to be honest with you. I go, all right. I prefer that. And so he was a co-pilot on flights and a pilot on flights. Dude, they flew on the trip that he got popped. They had a DC-9, I believe it was. And they were flying into Detroit Airport, International Airport, and they dropped pallets of cocaine, massive pallets, outside of the city. And there were DEA and FBI folks there, and also some a few media guys that got, got wind of it and were allowed to come along. So anyway, the, 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 they do the bust to pick up the guys that are, that are picking up the pallets of cocaine. Then the plane moves on and lands in Detroit at Detroit International Airport that my, my friend happens to be on. And uh, so he says, we got off the plane, and there's the agents, you know, the FBI, DEA, everybody's there. And my pilot, my buddy... When they say you're under arrest, FBI, you know, this and that, my buddy goes, bullshit. And he made a phone call. This is years and years and years. This is a decade ago, at least he told me this and said, here, talk to my uh, talk to my boss in Langley. And the FBI agent talks on the phone for a second and says, yes, sir. Hands him back the phone and says, we're out of here. We're leaving. <laughs> and the only reason they had to take the fall was because media was there filming. Mm. Media was there mm-hmm. filming and witnessed it. And so this guy did some time, and that's that's what he ended up explaining to me. Barry Seal style right yeah. there. So it, it, yeah, it, so it was, was very real, of... and it's still going on. Well, I'm going to let Pat ask you a couple more questions before we let you go. But summarizing 9-11, in your opinion, sir, you say CIA, you say Saudi. Is, I mean, was this a multi-intelligence operation linked to the Israelis, the Saudis, and the Central Intelligence See, the CIA already has a an outfit of... It's it, it's a I call it 9/11 a jointly a covert joint operation just like Iran Contra. But what people have to understand is the CIA already has this clique in counterintelligence that work with Saudi Arabia and Israel anyway, and these are the same individuals uh, that did Iran Contra, created the Mujahideen, and did 9/11. Okay. And it's the same clique uh, that is you know not so covertly aiding ISIS in Syria. <laughs> I mean they're using. Now they're using private companies as intermediaries. Like they've got all these small arms from Bulgaria and Romania, places like that, and yeah. they ship them through Purple Shovel through the U.S. to the you know FSA moderate head choppers. Uh, but it ends up in the hands of ISIS. I mean, when they got uh, and NATO and NATO just happens to be the go-between delivery guys. Yeah, sometimes they're the middleman. Sometimes, uh, sometimes. The- froze, 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 freezing. Froze, froze. Ice man. There he is. I was saying that sometimes the middlemen are British outfits too, like the White Helmets, which acts as a PR firm for Al Qaeda. Yeah, they're delivering gas to Al Al Sham, who may they have already used it in the past, but they yeah. may be doing it again uh, here shortly. Who knows? Yeah, we recently but had when, on when a... Dara was liberated, they found tow missiles and all this U.S. Yeah. gear. You know, yeah, that's what we had and, on uh, Dilyana Gaitanjeva, the Bulgarian reporter, and she, you know, a year or so. The one ago. who got the one who got fired, oh, I obviously. To talk to her. For reporting she had a great the truth. story on Purple Shovel. Yeah, yeah she, she did. She's a bright, bright lady. And she also, going back to your earlier comments about the talk and what the predecessor of, at least the discussions of, and the exploration of the chemical and biogenetically specific 
weapons. She discovered a lot of those documents of actual labs that exist all over around surrounding Eurasia. So obviously we're able to, you know, hit people on their genetic markers. She's awesome. You should definitely try help, to get her on. Let me get in contact with her because I'd love I'd love to interview. I her would. I will. Table even. She's, yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, we could talk forever, but Pat has a couple more questions. I think. I th- well, bear I don't want to take. I, I want to. We need to get you back on before the midterms. Yes. We have to have you back on before the midterms because we. Right. I feel very strongly false flags are coming. I feel a lot of a lot of stuff's going to get nasty. Um, but I, I'm, I, I'm hoping for perp walks. Or can I show this real fast? Oh, go yeah, for that's, it. I wanted to get to so, that. I wanted to pump your this, shirts up. Just, just real quick. Is this clear? You President, see the three presidents. President, President, Trump, Trump, Trump Assad, Assad, and Putin. Putin. Yeah, President, President, President. Oh, mm. then we got Mrs. Peabody at the bottom. Not President. Wonk, wonk. <laughs> what was the other? What was the other <laughs> shirt you had? What was the other shirt? Oh well, I've got one here on the ground. It's uh, it's got, it's got a picture of the atomic bomb, and it says it's not terrorism when we do it. Damn. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, beautiful. And I, I wear that here in Japan. Because... They see the picture and then they read. No, let's. Like, What's it? I want. I we. I want to ask you there. Pat can ask you this because this does bear on the midterm elections, the supposed storm. You know, all of this stuff with with. Go ahead, Pat. Ask him your. I thought opinion. he was going to say Connor Khabib, but we'll, we'll go with. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, we've got to go to. What is Trump? Is Trump a white hat? What is he? QAnon? How does how does this all tie in? Has QAnon been disproven? Is it bullshit? You know, hope porn is, as my brother calls it. You know, we need to see how all this ties in because, you know, on one hand, Trump goes in and takes <laughs> <Hope> out. <porn. laughs> yeah, that's Sorry. his. That's his term. That's like his term. It. Well, you I know, so, Alex. Alex porn. has always been the fear porn. You know, the SWATs are going to break in. They're going to rape your wife. They're going to break your family. Get some bone broth right, immediately. Limit limited supply of bone broth. Get it right now. <laughs> you got to see uh, my commercial for my gay frogs T-shirt. <laughs> I have a shirt. Gay frogs. It says Gay Frogs Jonestown, and it's like uh, got the baseball logo, kind of like the the Mets or something. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll pull it up for you in a second. Um, so what you know? What's I have your... a great, almost like pro wrestling promo for that. Nice. Like, so what's your what's your take <laughs> while you're doing that? What's your take on you know? On one hand, Trump goes in and has a meeting, gives a big speech in front of all the uh, Islamic nation leaders. And then not long after he leaves, suddenly a huge number of royal family members are arrested, people who are very powerful, very, very wealthy. And he takes out part of the Saudi Arabian you know, royalty. And then on the other hand, he's very pro-Israel, at least up front. You know, so what's your take on Trump and QAnon? I'll, do, I'll tackle the Trump question first. I have a very nuanced view on Trump. And yeah. I, I, I implore everybody to watch this video called Stop making me defend Donald Trump. It's a comedy, but it's it's hilarious because it's like people were like, oh my god, he's gonna ban Muslims or something. Like actually, what he really did. This guy is not a Trump supporter, but he's just like trying to keep it real, you know? <laughs> like, oh my god, you're a Nazi. You should watch that. But yeah, we will. People are confused about Trump because it's like on the one hand, like he cut funding to Al Qaeda in, in July seventeenth, uh, two thousand seventeen, and from that point on, Syria has had one victory after another. But on the other hand. He moves the embassy. He spends hundreds of billions of dollars on Saudi Arabia. He gives Israel the largest aid package ever. Uh, That's why I'm saying it's mixed signals, he, right? So he's doing he's doing everything for Israel except in Syria. Like everything else Israel has demanded, he's done except Syria. And this is how I explain it: Trump is a Zionist. 
and he loves Israel. He's had that relationship with the Kushner family, which he's directly married to, and mafia syndicates. I made a film called Trump Zionist Ball and Chain, which really details this out. But so he is a Zionist, and it's not just compromise or whatever. He's ideologically in line with them. Like they got the money, and he's in real estate, and he's just on the winning team. Like he doesn't have a lot of sympathy for Palestinians or Iranians, or whatever. He he doesn't care. But on the other hand, Trump is a New Yorker who lived through 9/11, who saw Al Qaeda attack the United States. So he's he hates Al Qaeda more than he loves Israel. So he will help Israel to a point until it comes mm. to crossing the line like arming Al Qaeda or something like that, where he goes, No, we're not gonna arm out. We don't even know who these people are. I mean you've heard his speeches and stuff. Right. And he did. He cut funding to Al Qaeda and he is not helping them in Syria. He did this sort of live action commercial for Raytheon, uh, from the gas propaganda, but you gotta understand like he he could not get his health care passed or his tax cuts passed or any of the things. He had no victories until he did a little um, flick attack on Syria, which did almost no damage. And if a military analyst looking at this, you will show last April when they did the cruise missile attack, they shot 103 missiles spread over 10 targets, long range subsonic. So the odds of them actually hitting were pretty low considering Syria has got the, the book M1 and the Pansia, and plus the high-altitude S-300s. Uh, so was that more of just a symbolic really gesture? Him. Well, plus they phoned ahead. It was to get the media off his ass, because yeah. they're all like, he's in collusion with Russia, and blah, blah, blah. But after he did that, he was able to get some of his domestic legislation through. But And then mm. uh, days after that happened, he cuts funding to Al-Qaeda. And Syria's been having... I mean, he's a politician. I... You can't just like... You're not a king. You can't just do whatever you want. Right, right. right. And so they and they phoned ahead. They, the they they phoned ahead to the bases and and they phoned. They said they phoned the Russians. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you might want to take the Syrians with you because the the, the right. tomahawks it's are the on most, their way. It's the most polite attack in the history yeah. of the world. Like so, and you're. I'm glad you're in get. line with me Make on this. Make sure you're not there. We're going to use subsonic long range cruise missiles. No supersonic. No hypersonic. We're, and no hellfires, no no air to surface even, just surface to surface, the slowest thing we got. It's not even mm. half the speed of sound against the most modern anti-air in the world. And they shot them down. Like yeah. how many – Yeah, well, some of it's Russian. And Syria already had the fifth greatest uh, anti-air defense prior to the war even started. Yeah, Russia's been that putting That was their in deterrent against, against Israel. They had uh, chemical weapons. They did have it. And they had strong anti-air. And Assad is on tape mentioning, isn't it something – that when this starts in Dara, that these Al-Qaeda groups, the first thing they attack are the anti-air defense. Why? They don't have an air force. So why are they attacking right. that? That's the most useless thing, right? They're pure ground force, right? They have no Navy, no air force. So why are they attacking the AA? Yeah. So per, per the whole, you know, and I'm, I believe me, I want Trump to be some measure of, you know, fucking human being and not be starting illegal wars. What are your thought about, excuse me, champ, what are you about thought about him but, resume, resuming uh, funding of the White Helmets? Well, I mean, the fact that he cut it off at all was a plus because sure. it, under Obama, I mean, they could help create that and some, right? But so, to resume yeah, it, it's yeah. like, well, I mean, it's right, almost... well, that's I know because it, you know who got in his ear. I mean, he, he loves the Zionists. And he's like, oh, we well, need this. This is humanitarian. And his daughter got in his face about it. He's mm. married to Kush. Oh. And this is admitted by his own son. She's like, oh, daddy, the children. Yeah. And uh, okay. as lame as that is, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> but uh, the U.S. only provides a third of their funding anyway. It's mainly a British outfit. But the White Helmets, uh, 
by the time Trump put their funding back, most of them have been assassinated because Assad put on this campaign to target white helmets because it's obviously ter- right. they're terrorists. Yeah. They're celebrating without Nasra and so on. Yeah. Uh, but what was funny is when, uh, well, not funny, but when they, they got, I think it's funny because I'm, I'm just so sick of seeing little kids get their heads chopped off and stuff. I want revenge. But these ISIS fighters that were all hugged up against the Golan Heights, when the Dada campaign smashed these rats out of the pocket, 800 of them fled to Israel, who then sent them to Jordan, who sent them all over to Germany or whatever. But they said it's 800 white helmets. It was not 800 white helmets. It was the ISIS commanders and things like that. Mm. It wasn't. There weren't 800 white helmets left in the zone. Right. But they do have white helmets up in Idlib. And according to RT, at least, they're saying that this is the go-between uh, to deliver chlorine gas from Turkey to these militants down in southern Idlib. So. Oh, what a tangled and, web we and, weave. And we've just been pounding the shit out of Idlib as we're talking about. But what was it, just last so week? I, I didn't answer that one. Sorry. But no, but, so Q- sorry, but, but I was just saying that, you know, we just got surveillance photos of um, armored personnel carriers and tanks rolling from Turkey into, into uh, western Syria. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, Never they ending. said, oh, we're going to have our tanks on the border because of, we don't want all these ISIS fighters fleeing to Turkey, like as refugees, right? But that's not why they put tanks on the border. Turkey has been, Turkey was in line with Israel to create this Kurdistan because they want to push Kurds out of Turkey into yeah. Syria too. Right. The peak aid ever for US aid to Turkey was in 1997. They surpassed Egypt. They became the second largest aid recipient from the United States, the first being Israel uh, in the world. And that was the the peak of ethnic cleansing of Kurds by the Turks inside of Turkey. That's why there's so many Kurds in northern Iraq and Syria in the first place. And so with the Syrian conflict, Turkey thought we can push our Kurds into Syria and, you know, divide up Syria and get some oil deals, et cetera, with these Kurds and get get them out of our own country. There's a lot of tension between Turks and uh well, they're all Turks. They live in Turkey, but, you know, yeah. native Turks or whatever versus Kurds. And they kind of annex Afrin because they didn't want – they want kind of like what China does to North Korea. They walk the tightrope. They don't want a failed state because then all these refugees have flooded into China. They don't want a too successful state because they don't want to give a dictator nuclear weapons whatever. So they just kind of keep it on life support. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the, when the Kurds tried to get to the Mediterranean, it's when Turkey's like, oh, no, no, no. You're not getting building a port, and then they would just ship it themselves, right? So they go into the northwest and take Afrin, which is a wedge between the sea and the Kurdish territory north of the Euphrates. I wish I had a map. And uh, then the Peshmerga got was when this is another thing. Obama had always protected the Kurds in Iraq. He even accidentally bombed troops and killed hundreds of soldiers. You know, when Trump takes office, he's not going to defend them. He doesn't care which faction kills who over there. And within 36 hours, the Iraqi army pushed the Peshmerga out last October, completely to create all that, just wipe them out. And that, that was that's where all the oil was. Syria doesn't have a lot of oil. Syria is just in between places that ship oil. I mean, it's the pipeline, it's, it's pipeline right, politics. Right, right. And uh, so without those lines and without the sea, the Kurds, they're going to have to probably negotiate after Idlib is taken care of. They've already started to return some electrical plants and dams and infrastructure back to Syria. 
and they'll probably federalize. They'll be allowed to live there and, you know, vote and everything. But as Syrians, they'll be Kurdish Syrians rather than a, a Kurdish state. And uh, well, and time will tell if that's what they'll agree to or not. They're kind of arrogant a lot of times. That's why, why Afrin campaign was so successful is Syria went to the Kurds and said, the ones that were west of the Euphrates, and said, you know, we, we can help you, but, you know, you need to cede our territory back. And they're like, no, three times they rejected them. So what Syria did was turned off the air defense. And once that was off, Turkey came in there and just mauled them in a matter of days and took the entire area with very few casualties. I mean, when you have it, if you can't block an air force, you're done in modern warfare. Like, yeah. And the Kurds, the, are, the Kurds are screwed by everyone from every side. Yeah, they get double-crossed all the time. I'm like, why are you right. falling for this again, you know? But, yeah, it's their, their leadership, they don't even get to choose that either. So, yeah. so they're let's, always let, getting it. Let's, let's, hit, let's hit QAnon. Yes. Well, that's yeah, our last subject that. to hold you. We won't <laughs> okay, kill you so, with this. Um, people got real excited, like, you got to get into this Q. He's, he doesn't give people answers. He's just like teaching people how to look up things themselves so i look at it and they're like you know it, it kind of looks like nostradamus stuff to me like like horoscopes like you can kind of read into it whatever you want but i get but there are a couple times where it's like no this is pretty specific but then that's not impressive to me because it's like well if you're doing this all the time and you get a couple right right so you know, yeah but just and, crazy uh, i have i have like a lot of the stuff that he got right i had said like and i don't have any inside the government knowledge or whatever i just am a nerd and can look at it and analyze it and go oh they're gonna do this they're gonna do that and i've been right but i i tell specifically where some i got the first gas attack i before that i said when obama was talking about red lines the guy i'm like they're gonna stage a gas attack i put a video that was up on live week of uh rebels gassing rabbits and in the background there's turkish labels on the canisters of the chemicals they were using put that out in 2012 First gas attack <laughs> shortly afterward in 2013. Uh, I'm not psychic or anything. <laughs> there was no Q or non whatever. I just a regular analyst can get this. And what Q could do is he could go to people like me or Andrew Illingworth or any you know intense Syria researcher, see what we're saying, repeat it in poetic form, and and everyone loves it or whatever. But I have not seen anything uh, from Q that I didn't already know. And a lot of it is just kind of like cryptic, whatever. I mean, it's just like well, and this notion, not, like again, the the hope porn that you know there's going to be perp walks. This this satanic ritual abuse faction is going to start being held accountable. That's kind of the one side of it. He's this white hat that's been brought in to demolish this old this old power structure. He's not. I mean, that's too far the wrong direction. Like Trump is not establishment, but he is not some shiny night on the hill trump cares about donald trump he puts his name on his buildings and things like <laughs> and he favors his friends and he favors zionists like we're just so used to having presidents that were complete pay-to-play shills that for to have someone do anything right like making peace with korea is a big deal yeah that is a very that's great you know dennis rodman was right it started with <laughs> sports it starts with you know uh, you know having a joint hockey team in the Olympics and things like that. Then music came and and uh, Red Velvet and K-pop bands start going to North Korea. It starts with that kind of soft stuff, hmm. and then they realize, first of all, the navy. This is my cynical point of view on this. 
Navy budget is looking around going, you know, if we lose Korea, we, and we have the Carl Vincent and all these carriers and stuff, like they need another um, justification for these giant budgets. So what do they do? Oh, we can always mess with the South China Sea or they, now that's too dangerous. Oh, well, let's lob some cruise missiles in this year. <laughs> and it happens like clockwork, right? But Trump is, uh, Trump has gone against them on a lot of things, uh, domestically and like with Asian politics and stuff. But he does not have control over the Middle East because the Zionist lobby is just too damn strong. And is that what's trying to oust him here in the U.S. with this Russian collusion and this constant attack? And if he drinks Diet Pepsi with a fucking straw, they're like, "Say he's a fucking, you know, it's he plastic can... straws, ban him. Yeah, exactly. No, Turtle killing fat ass orange bastard. Liberals <laughs> that hate anybody who's a Republican, right? But it's gotten so stuff, it's almost gotten oh I mean, that's always been very polarized. But this is. What I'm seeing now, and I'm pretty apolitical, but it's just like, it's so mind-boggling. Like, they're so desperate. It's their they're team. Like, I mean, they didn't care when Obama yeah. invaded seven nations, tripled the size of the war in Afghanistan, exactly. had all the banker bailouts. Like, they just, give him more time. His eighth year, give him more time. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> He's one of the worst presidents ever. He did everything wrong. He invaded Libya. He handed a country over to al-Qaeda. Right. Right? He started this entire Syrian proxy war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had $22 trillion when you add the Federal Reserve on top of it. And uh, in crony capitalism, I would just call it uh, socialism for the rich. I mean, that's what it is. Sure. They bailed out all that. That was all Obama. And they didn't care. Trump says inappropriate language and he's hitler right yeah and that actually makes people like trump more and and you know forgive him for a lot of stuff because they hate this sjw crowd so much and trust me i don't like them either that they kind of let him let things slide that he actually is doing like my criticism for trump i don't care if he said grab her by the front hole or any of that stuff that huh? doesn't matter what's to that me. mean you haven't is heard that, is that, what is that in japanese the, chin chin nami nami they they they've renamed Trudeau as Front Hole. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but am I, is my Japanese correct? Chin chin nami nami. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> eat, eat, eat a, yeah, I know what yeah. I'm saying. Oh, when I first funny. got here, I didn't know. Um, I was doing <laughs> what was it? I was do, making a register sound like ching. I was going ching, oh, and they're they're all laughing. You know, I'm like, what, what? Like you hand me money and cha ching. <laughs> saying so, it over and over. So were you, did you happen to be in Rapungi when this was happening? No, no. And that word's actually like a little kid word. It's like saying pee pee or something. Okay. It's like what the word for it that children use. Okay. And so hence my co host usage like, of it. Yeah, yeah. but like weird <laughs> um people who like younger people, they kinda like to use the kid language. Like, uh, oh, so it's so it would be a pedophile. You know I mean? It would be a pedophile term. Tang and and all that. No, not pedophile. Just into like, well, I guess them too. But it's just they like um, cuteness more than sexiness. Pontang, pontang. Well, you want it? Yeah, they, that's where the that's where the what's the so what's they kind of want the girl to be innocent and for her to use like innocent signing language. They and don't want the, that foul girl. Like, what's that? Cunt, what's that? You know, like, they right. Say, yeah. What's that style yeah. of dress that the girls have over there? What's that called? They they look like dolls and stuff. Not uh, that kind of that kind of Lolita looking thing. Yeah. What is that called? I forget. Haraguchi or something no. like that. Or... There's they... actually a, a bunch of specific niches for Not like. The... The, there's the goth one. There's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the schoolgirl, but that the schoolgirl is like 
No, they really do have school uniforms. It's not like they dress right. up that way. But they what's the proper terminology for those girls? What's the proper terminology terminology for those styles or that style? There's, there's Gangaroo, there's JK, which is like Joshin uh, Kokse, which is like, uh, it just means high school student. But okay. the English is JK. So that's one. Gangaroo's out, I think. But that was the young ones. These do the white under the eyes and yeah. stuff. The yeah. program um, has slowly left the tracks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Whatever. They All have right. some things. There's every sexual everything here. because, of, And I guess there's no like religious tradition you know, resisting it or whatever. And actually they celebrate it. So there are love hotels here with, um, like what would be the equivalent of a mini bar in the U S that would have like some water and Snickers and stuff. They'll have sex toys and like a menu to order cosplay. And, uh, that's just like normal. And I think a lot (laughs) of it's because of the housing situation. There are all these people packed on an Island and people live with their parents for a long time. So, you know, people of age that want to go out and do something, they kind of got to go to hotels. And so there's this whole industry of love hotels that rent by the hour and rent by the night. Uh, and they've got themed rooms. There's like classrooms. There's like even like train if you want to pretend to grope somebody on the subway or whatever. There's like everything you can imagine and more. They even have like rope fetish stuff, basket jobs. I'm thinking of like the basket themed basket hotels here. Like you have your jungle themed hotel. Your this has devolved into a shit <laughs> show. <laughs> we started out. Okay. We started this is all out my fault. Fast, but love hotels in Japan, man. It's uh. We started out so it's strong. Great you know, if you're married, you want to spice things up. You just bounce around to different love hotels, and I mean, they everything S and M. They got all the Anything you could think of. But the basket jobs that blew my mind. It's like a basket on a pulley with holes on the bottom and stuff. They actually spin her and yeah, (laughs) everything. Like, so anyway. Nice. On this note, I hope everybody's enjoyed their uh, 9-11 anniversary. (laughs) I want to do my Gay Frogs promo for this t-shirt. All right. right. (laughs) In Alex Jones' uh, voice. Okay. (laughs) Gay Frogs. Make sure to sign up and try out for the Illuminati, Communist, Chinese, Deep State, Globalist, Elite, Luciferian, Interdimensional, Psychic Demon, 4D chess playing team. All you need is this jersey to shield you from the NWO and their forces of Bohemian, Hedonistic, Bilderberg, Pizza Party, Gun Confiscation, Jade Helm, FEMA Overlords. Lizard people need out of the pie. Ebola-infested shapeshifters and owl-worshippers of death cult are welcome. 1776 will commence again. Available in lizard green, gay frog green, as well as hyper masculine tangy tangerine. <laughs> oh, I heard he's got. I heard he has a, a new um, awesome. supplement, uh, the she male vitality. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard about his proclivities for the uh, the trans videos. Dude, you need to. Yeah, he's watching homosexual we... porn. That's what I call it because I'm like, I don't care if the guy's pretending to be a girl. It's a dude fucking another dude. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so we need to make sure when we edit this, Jeffrey, that. There are pieces like that set out aside that we can post <laughs> that the people with short attention spans can at least hear that and go, oh, I got to listen to this A shit. Sound start, off, start off with that shit and then be like, then they'll get mad. Like, this was all intellectual after that, right, damn yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wasting my motherfucking time. Dude, Ryan, this has been so – give me, um, give us a shout-out, man. Where could we kind of track you down, follow you on social networking? Buy your clothes, of- all that stuff, the, the genius shirts I'm and coffee mugs. being deplatformed, so – my site, I guess, is the permanent home. It's called ANC Report, and that just stands for anti-neocon. Uh, so ancreport.com, and you can be an anti-neocon too. That's got podcasts. Sometimes it's me solo ranting. Sometimes it's interviews. I got one about uh, with one of Gaddafi's uh, bodyguards coming up. It's dropping nice. today, Damn. I think. Nice. They did it. Like I've set it up on a like, timer, you know. 
Uh, oh yeah, she's dude. It's mm, you want? Did they really sodomize him with a knife when they killed him? Kadafi. Yeah. Fuck. Dude, they castrated a lot of people. Like they were humiliating people, like cutting dicks off of fathers in front of their sons, and the worst shit you can imagine. And uh, you know, this is another generation of like, what's that gonna do to people's psychology? Yeah. If you were alluding earlier when we were talking about Al Qaeda, I get it. They walk. 800,000 Iraqis starved to death, mostly children. They saw Israel bomb and kill hundreds of people in Lebanon. They saw what what our foreign policy does, what sanctions do. And you've got generations of young men being humiliated, having their, you know, the rape they had to deal with, starvation they had to deal with. But And yeah, they hate America. Duh. And yeah, they're going to be attracted to some charismatic, you know, Islamic leader on the hill that's saying, you know, kill the infidel, whatever. I totally understand their side yeah yeah you still and, uh, can't kill absolutely York, absolutely right? especially when you've got you know and i hate that we we've been talking you know on john mccain long for for a long time, long time. And, and the things that he was doing and to the tumor there you go <laughs> so the minute the minute i saw mccain on cnn um over in the middle east in in uh, syria negotiating and taking pictures with these guys i called up my friend and i go dude uh, we're we're arming ISIS, right? We're yeah. we're this is like we're we're the ones doing this. And he goes, well, "What do you think, moron?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> of course we are. No doubt. And and, and so was like the pale horse. In John was the like John he went. And I look, I hate to say it, and people are gonna get mad at me. I've already had people report me to my network because of things that I posted about John McCain, like the it's it's john mccain's body with his head turned sideways crowd crowd surfing, surfing. Right? you know and, oh, I, and um, these people on facebook I worse i think right we so did the uh, people on facebook the mean of john mccain virgin john mccain versus the chad tumor uh we nominated mctumor for the nobel peace prize because it went on a noble suicide mission to take down a warmongering psychopath dude oh. dude that's hardcore I, so i have another side to me of just like these shirts and stuff that can genius i love it right? make fun of people, i'm starting but... a clothing line you're gonna have to be my 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 liberty my liberty liner right you're gonna have to come up with some some cool shit for me liberty there nah, it is I, see, I like see? yes but and yeah, so so people con right there in the front. Nice. Yeah. I all right. I gotta order that. So John, John, it's fucking hot down here. McCain, um, you know, he was Hungry. responsible for for negotiating and, and brokering these deals with these with these terrorists, and and he's being celebrated on American news, and it was it was rough he's to a watch. Traitor. It was rough to watch. Yes, he's a traitor. Definitely they called him a hero. He was a traitor that armed Al Qaeda, and before that, he's got a list of crimes too long to name. I, I want to encourage you guys to listen to the song Last Dance with John McCain. Um, <laughs> Tom Petty? It, yeah, it's a Tom Petty version, but I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you right after this. Right I, on. I, I got it. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to die laughing. But um, for like, I think once a month, we're going to have a John McCain still dead party. <laughs> I saw your tweet something about that. Yeah. Yay, John McCain still dead. I have, Dude. Before he died, I put out a poll. What's the most appropriate party, international party food for when he finally dies? I, I, but the, I think they voted for Vietnamese food. Got number one, but it was, <laughs> we had some good choices there: roasted songbird, brain food. But, wow! Uh, yeah. So we I have... went and had Vietnamese food, filmed it, and everything, and, and <laughs> had a shot for Johnny. <laughs> it can't all be fire and brimstone here on the conspiracy farm. We have to have a couple last man. Ryan Dawson, I can't tell you what. This is our longest episode, champ. This is yeah. our longest episode we've done. Two, going on two hours? Beautiful. 
Man, it's 9-11, though. It's complicated. It is. It is. And I obviously recommend everybody go check out his work. He's got some great videos, very thought-provoking, very nuanced, very informed individual. Um, go check out the website. We'll attach it to the uh, the description of the video here. Ryan Dawson, man, I can't thank you enough, brother. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, guys. I'd like to come on again and, we, and collaborate. I'll send you that song. And yeah. I guess it's nighttime over there, so uh, yep, nine thirty. You know, have a few drinks, maybe, uh, maybe a Manhattan and two kamikazes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not too soon. <laughs> it's wow, called the nine eleven. Go in the bar and order it. All right. You say what's that, and then you explain. No. <laughs> he missed his calling as a stand-up fucking comic. I'm telling you what. <laughs> you better have Pat with you if you do that, though. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. I'm fully capable, dude. I'm a, I'm a fucking perfect weapon. When I'm, I'm when I'm with Pat. <laughs> 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 Thanks a lot, Ryan. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned. There will always be more.